Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Another episode of Helmets Off. Scott Mitchell, your host here. Got some fun things to talk about today. One of them is the NBA All-Star Game. It's kind of all the rave. New format, new excitement. Does it last? Will it last? Is it a good thing? I think it's stupid. I really think it's stupid because all it proves to me is that these NBA players, if they choose to, can play hard in this game. And they can actually not get hurt. We can actually be entertained. We tuned in and tune in, and it's certainly worth watching. They were great. They were awesome. But it's it's this whole attitude of we just care, and that's what people want to see. Look, these are the best athletes in the world. I mean, seriously, they are the best athletes in the entire world. And how can you just not try hard? Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas, Larry Bird. It didn't matter when they were playing, who they were playing, what they were playing. They were playing. And so all this All-Star game did to me, and, and I like the format. I like the charity thing. I, I like all that stuff, and and I like the, the competition. It's, it's a little weird to watch, you know, because the timing and the time and – Blah, 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 and all that stuff at the end of a game. It's it's different. But you just like that these guys went at it and that they were really playing good good basketball. But why can't they go at it just because it's the all-star game and they want to beat the other team? C- clearly, it's not for injury, right, because they played hard. So there was – I don't know, because there's no incentive like you win. I mean, it's a different format. It's like – Whoever gets to this whatever point total in the fourth quarter, the first one there wins kind of thing. But there was not, nothing more on the All-Star game, right? There was an MVP. I mean, I know that they had the, the charity stuff in the earlier quarters, but still, it was just they're just competing. And so why do we have to change the format of basketball in order to get people to compete? Why not just compete because... We have so much respect for the game of basketball or our our sport or our profession, whatever it is, that any time we go out and represent the game, we give it our best shot because we are the best players in the world. Everyone's like, oh, you know, no one's going to go hard in the middle of the season because they're going to get injured. Well, that, that got thrown out the door. They They played. They played hard. 
I mean, I was so worried about Rudy Gobert. Like, I'm like, because Rudy Gobert deserves to be an all-star. And he's a he's a unique talent. And he's a two-time uh, reigning defensive player of the year. Probably should be three times. Should have been an all-star before now. But he's he's a defensive-minded player who actually has a high uh, shooting percentage because it's an alley-oop, pick and roll. And so, it's, you know, he's right at the hoop all the time, which is where you want your big man. You don't want him out there shooting 15, 20-footers. You don't. And and Rudy Gobert has shown and that, you know what, you can play defense in the in the NBA All-Star game. He scored 15 points or maybe even more. He might have had 20. And, and he was a great player in the All-Star game. And I thought he would be abysmal. I thought he'd be terrible. Uh, it's it's a three point game. It's a you know run and gun and and alley oop dunks and all of those things. And and he's more of a set you know pick and roll dunk guy. Uh, but he was he was great in the, in his first All Star game. And and so it just goes to show you that you can be who you are. You can play your game. You can play basketball and play it hard. Nobody gets hurt. But the fans get something that they can watch because this kind of half-hearted effort that's shown up in years past is not cutting it. Now, I will tell you, because there, uh, there is one side of the All-Star game that I think was a little bit um, disconcerting to me. And it's only because I'm a Utah Jazz fan and Donovan Mitchell was a part of this. Well, Donovan Mitchell was the last player picked. So they choose the team. So you, you have the starting five. So you have to pick those players first. So it's it doesn't mean Eastern Conference, Western Conference, but those first ten players, well, they're really eight because the two guys are picking. The first eight guys, they have to be taken first. So so but you can take from the east or the west, and then you and then you go on to the reserves. Well, Donovan Mitchell's a reserve, and he's the very last player picked. The very, very last one. And I would have to think that would stink, you know, because as a player, you like care that your peers care about you, that they they like, you know, your game and that they want you to be on their team and they want you early. But when it's like you're the last pick, it's like it's not you're not even picked. You're just like, oh, who's left? Yeah, we'll take him. So it's it's not hey we want you it's like yeah we got to take you we'll take you cuz cuz we have to. You know that's the rules. Everyone gets picked. And I would feel awful if I was the yeah we have to have you guy. That would be that would be a terrible feeling. And I would hope that if you're that guy that in the game you're like all right you picked me last I'm going to show you you made a huge mistake. I didn't see it from Donovan Mitchell. In fact, I didn't think Donovan Mitchell played all that great in the All-Star game. But I think it <laughs> it's kind of hard when, you know, it's like you're the worst one of the best players in the world. I mean, I mean, I know you could spin it in a positive way. It's like, yeah, but you're one of the best players in the world. You're on the NBA All-Star team. I don't care if you're first or you're last. You're one of those elite players in the world. I get that. But I'm just saying... If I was in that situation, I would hate to get picked last. And and I think there's some psychological mojo that would certainly accompany that one way or the other. You may go in the tank. You may get fired up. Okay, 
the last comment I have about the All-Star game, which I, f- I find fascinating, is how does it propel these players for the rest of the year? You know, everyone says it's a nice break and everyone's going to start making a push for the All-Star game. But I had an experience where the first time, so there was a, the NFL had this thing called the quarterback club where they brought the best quarterbacks in all of the NFL and they had this challenge, the QB challenge. And it's kind of, it, it's, it had a little bit of fame and notoriety to it and through the years. And so I participated in that. And and you don't know the other guys, right? You kind of know them, you don't know them, whatever. And then you get to meet all of these quarterbacks, best guys around. You know, so in my era, there's, you know, there's Brett Favre, Steve Young, Troy Aikman. Of course, there's Jim Kelly, Montana, Marino, Elway. I mean, all, you know, all the names, right? And then there's other guys like Drew Bledsoe and uh, who is Jeff... Jeff Blake, who played for the Bengals at the time. I mean, they're just a bunch of different guys. And and you go and, and you compete. And, of course, Jim Harbaugh. How could we forget him? We try to forget him, but we can't. Anyways, all these guys are there. And you compete against them. And you, you watch them. You watch them interact. You watch them this, that, whatever. And you begin to realize these are, these are just guys, right? They're just guys. And all of a sudden, you – and I just remember leaving. In fact, I went to Ron Hughes, who was a director of pro personnel, who went on to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who passed away, rest in peace, recently. Uh, really good talent evaluator. And I, I came back to him and I just said, you, you know I'm as good as anyone there, right? And he goes, well, of course I know that. And and so I came back with so much more confidence than – and not that I didn't have it, but but it's there's and it's almost a piece. So there's this confidence and this piece that happens. So I think it's going to be an interesting observation to watch players like Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, who played in their very first All Star games, to see how they respond. Because I have to believe for a guy like Rudy, if he didn't get a boost from that All Star game, I mean, I'm hearing people all across national media outlets talking about Rudy Gobert and how he played in the All-Star game. And and it and it's not that Donovan Mitchell didn't play bad, you know, he made some shots and whatever, but uh he just wasn't a standout. Wasn't a stellar player uh, in the All-Star game. And so maybe he'll come back and he'll use that as fire. And maybe maybe not. I don't know. And and so I think watching these guys as they come out of their first All-Star game what kind of boost, what kind of bump do they get for the rest of the season? I'm right, going to take a break. We come back. Some guy named Drew Brees, I think, has decided. All right, welcome back to Helmets Off. Scott Mitchell. Oh, yeah, talking about the NBA All-Star game. And actually, it was good. Uh, it, it's palatable. It's something that's that's actually, you know, worth watching, of course. See how it evolves through the years. but But definitely worth watching. So apparently Drew Brees is going to re-sign with the New Orleans Saints, come back for another year. I'm sure this is probably his last year. I You look at last year and you go, well, eh, you know, he's getting up there in age. He looked his age in the playoff game, just making – I shouldn't say make, but not making throws that he routinely makes. And you can see the fatigue of the season, and I'm sure you know his advanced years in the NFL – 
was certainly taking its toll in the game. And, uh, you know, I look at this, and I think it's a really good thing. I think it's a good thing for the Saints. And I think if they're really smart about this, it'll be good for a guy like Taysom Hill. Because, really, this is kind of all about Taysom Hill. (laughs) Drew Brees coming back. Because Drew, Drew Brees is out there, or I'm sorry, Taysom Hill's out there kind of throwing his weight around and talking about all these different things that, um, you know, he's he's this guy. But let me let me give all of you Taysom Hill folks a reality check. And I like Taysom Hill. I do. I think there's something there. But the reality is, is if he's an everyday guy, there's going to come a point where teams are going to force him to make every possible throw that you have to make. So if it's kind of a a line shot down the sideline versus a two-deep safety or a seam shot uh, or a deep in or a deep out or um, a deep post, a a deep go route, a a back shoulder throw, just throwing slant passes, like quick slant passes, those are hard for some guys to throw – and throw consistently. And if you learn how to do it, it's it's a it's one of the biggest, most explosive plays in all of all of football. But uh can he do that on a consistent basis? And then throwing those those which I think I think of anyone in the NFL history, Drew Brees is the best at throwing these these different angle shots to tight ends. He's really good at it. And and Taysom Hill will get like He'll get tested on all of this, and and I I'm not convinced that he can make all the throws. So I know everyone's all excited about Taysom Hill and what he can do, but what they're excited about is the fact that he can do a bunch of different things. But playing quarterback every single down for 16 games, that's a different story. On top of that story, Taysom Hill's 30. I mean, he's not a he's not a young guy, and not that 30 is is old, but to start developing as a quarterback, 30's old. Cause because he's a project. And the best place for him to be a project is with the New Orleans Saints. Because they know the guy. And so they know that they can have some patience with him. And and on top of it, that he has a coach that actually can coach him on things. And he's and he's been able to watch and observe Drew Brees. So I know a lot of people are all all up in Tatesome Hill's grill about yeah you're you know you can be this and you can do that. Mike Westoff, who special teams coach, who I know coached for the Miami Dolphins when I was there, who I think is a great coach, um, and I understand his thought process. And certainly with the new the in vogue you know multi threat dual threat quarterbacks you have, and some of the you know, spread offense theories or whatever. Um, it would make sense that you know Taysom Hill might get a shot, and I don't, I don't discount that. I, I say he might. I'm just saying, when he does get that shot, they're going to ask him to do all this stuff. And and Colin Kaepernick, and all the outrage about him, but he ran around, and he wasn't a real accurate thrower. And and I don't know that he ever could have been. But I guarantee you, all these dual threat guys, after a couple of years of being hit by NFL linebackers and safeties who are trained assassins who don't mess around hitting you and are more than happy to hit any quarterback that comes their way, after a few years of this, it wears thin. 
for these dual threat guys and go, you know what, I, I want to stand in the pocket and I want to make throws and make decisions and I want to beat you with my arm. Patrick Mahomes is not a dual threat quarterback, everyone, just so you know. He's not He's not part of this. He's not a guy that, that runs. I know he had one of the biggest plays in Kansas City Chiefs history by running, but he's not a run. He's a thrower. He's a baseball guy. He's a drop back. He is a quintessential, prototypical NFL quarterback. He's not a dual threat guy. Yeah, there's some some of the spread theories, but this dude throws the ball. And you got to be able to do it in the NFL consistently or your number is done. I'm telling you, ask RG3, ask uh, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow could not consistently throw and make all the passes he had to make. I know he hit a slant route, and and but that was about it. And it's got to be more than that. All right, going to take another break because we like breaks. Um, and then we're going to come back and, uh, I don't know, some Brady guy did something. Welcome back to Helmets Off, Scott Mitchell. Um, yeah, I, I think it's fascinating, just quarterbacks. I think I really, I know, I know there are other positions and I know other positions focus on other positions. And so I'm a quarterback and I'm supposed to, but I'm not just, I can focus on whatever. I know, I know what goes on in the game of football, but the quarterbacks, they kind of, they make the world go around. And of course, Drew Brees is a guy that's been making the world go around, but another guy who kind of is in his own world and kind of owns the universe. And that's Tom Brady. So so the speculation and and we've been having some fun with this about you know these cryptic messages that Tom Brady like he you know he he talks about turning the lights out at Gillette Stadium because you know he's leaving and then you get the rest of the story he's leaving to go watch the Super Bowl and and then you have Tom Brady at home with Giselle and his son and they show this social media post where it looks like he's eaten some cake, which he says, I haven't eaten cake. I don't eat cake. It's not part of my nutritional program. And he goes, um, and he has his mouth in the fork, and the fork is, you know, it appears that he's eaten a piece of cake. And if he's eating cake, that means he's done, right? So Tom Brady's messing around with everyone on social media. He's like having having a ball with, you know, where's Tom? What's he doing? What's he, you know? And so Tom Brady's made a declaration and said, if you want me, then you got to come get me. I mean, if this isn't the most beautiful girl in the room routine, like you're going to have to pursue me because I'm not coming after you. And, and I'm, I'm pretty, you know, amazing here. And so, you, you know, you better bring your best stuff. I don't know anyone who has that kind of clout. Like this is the NFL. Okay. And really they'll, the, everyone's replaceable. Everyone is replaceable. Even Tom Brady is replaceable. And I don't know about this attitude. I, I really don't know about this attitude other than. Maybe it really minimizes the number of people, or maybe he's just not that interested in leaving. And maybe he's just a guy that goes, look, I'm not going to go on the, the, you know, the traveling circuit. I'm not going to go on parade. 
I'm not going to go to these different organizations and sit down and have dinner with the owner and with the coach and and meet with their training staff and and then have someone talk to me about the community and and where homes are and where schools are for your kids and and why you know you'd just be a great fit for the Carolina Panthers or for the whoever Tennessee Titans or maybe the Las Vegas Raiders although it'd be kind of cool where I live if he was the Raiders but um I just find this shocking to me that Tom Brady would have this insistence that if you really want to see me, you really want to be around, you really want Tom Brady, and and maybe he talks in the third person now, just says, look, if you want Tom Brady, you got to come see Tom Brady because Tom Brady ain't coming to you. And, and, and maybe that's how it is. I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, I know he sold his house where he is. And I vacillate with Tom Brady. So this whole move, I I don't know, whatever. I think it's stupid. It's just stupid. Because if you do go somewhere, then it's like, oh, gosh, we got to deal with the diva Tom Brady. You know, he's coming here and he probably, I don't know, probably flies to games on his own. Probably has Mondays and Tuesdays off. Probably, you know, probably has three lockers for himself. Um, Shoot, he may not even have to practice with the team. I don't know. I mean, who knows? And and so um I, I, I'm leery about that. And but I, on the other side of it, should he stay in New England or should he go? I'm actually vacillating with that. Initially I said I should stay. So hard to go to a new system and figure it all out and and uh, get assimilated to it. And, and you know football and you know concepts of, of passing routes and whatever. But it's still it's still a new uniform, it's still new coaches, it's still a new philosophy, a new system. And it ain't the Patriot way because there's only one Patriot way, and and uh, and and it's really, it's kind of when all the parts are together. I know on the good teams I've been on, you know, I think of the '95 Detroit Lions, we were amazing, and everyone decided that they were better than the sum of everything, and so guys wanted more money or they wanted more throws or more runs or whatever, and it really dissipated quickly because people thought they individually were better than the collective group. And that's just not, never the case. Tom Brady is going to have his greatest success with the new England Patriots staying there with Bill Belichick than he could anywhere else. And, and there is a side of me that says, you know, there's teams that are close to winning. Tennessee's one of them, you know, they might be a Tom Brady away from a Super Bowl. I've heard this story before and all the other parts have to show up at the right time. But Tom Brady certainly could bring something to some of these teams. I mean, the Indianapolis Colts, I mean, they are not far off. Um, so, you know, I doubt John Elway would bring bring Tom Brady out for three years. He might. I don't know. That would be a circus if he went to Denver. That would be crazy. John Elway, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady are your quarterbacks. be pretty cool. All right, well, either way, Tom, get off your high horse, take a trip. You fly on a private jet and go meet people. It's not that big a deal. not going to hurt your feelings. Okay, um, Helmets Off is now off. We're powered by kslsports.com. Find us on Facebook at the Helmets Off Podcast, Twitter at the Helmets Off Show, and until then, we'll catch you soon.